Welcome to Visionaries Global Media, your number one source for podcasting entertainment. Visionaries Global Media, envisioning excellence on a global scale. I never thought this this question, how would one lose a tortoise? It's a good question. I mean, how did they not think that was going to get over? We love watching the fat man dance. Oh my fucking god, he's Kamehameha waving the bats. He's not doing a good job with pulling the pictures at the right time. Well, you're an idiot, dude. Shut the fuck up. Well then, in one, two, three. Greetings, guten tag, salutations, hello, bloop, or however else you say hello, and welcome to VFTR 2.0. I am Chad. Coming to you once again from my patio, because, as they always say, make hay while the sun shines and enjoy a three-season patio in Wisconsin while you can. But I am joined by my good buddy, the co-host with the mostest, we call him around here, Big Baby Daddy Diesel. Thank you, Dadalak. I am joining you from Diesel's Diesel's Dapper Dungeon of Delight. It's been a while since I've done it from the Dungeon of Doom. I don't know what's going on with that. But anyways, how are you? How is the patio? I was there on Sunday. We did our fantasy draft from there. It was it was a very nice day, too. It was like it almost was. perfect. It was almost perfect. And uh, yeah, it's also another almost perfect day here again. That's why I haven't moved my computer from the patio. It's been out here since Sunday. Damn, it's a nice little area, and I can't wait to... Uh, like watched games over there like you said have everyone over it's gonna be gonna be a blast it was a blast on sunday with everybody minus al he's our out of towner i guess yes he's our out of towner yes every league's got to have one out of towner right yeah who's who's taco i mean it used to be hosta but like i don't i i want to kind of say tommy the gun a little bit (laughs) i was kind of saying thinking yeah, if you guys don't know what we're talking about, we're referencing the great show, The League, from FX all those years ago. You can still watch it on Hulu, and it's Tommy awesome. The Gun, Tommy the Gun's Ruxin. Yeah, that's probably true. <laughs> oh, well. Anyways, it was a great time. I'm excited. We're in the midst of week one in the NFL season. The first game of the season is tomorrow night, yeah. and I'm excited. Oh, I'm jacked. I, I cannot wait. I have another fantasy draft tonight. And then I thought we were going to have one more fantasy draft, but it doesn't look like we are. So only three leagues this year for me. You had three leagues? Yeah. Yeah. And my two teams that I've drafted so far, I have like no matching pieces. So I think this year I'm going full scorched earth and I'm going to try and draft as few ma- matching pieces so I can just bitch about everything all year round. The only matching pieces that I have, I have AJ Dillon in both my leagues, and I have the Cowboys defense in both my leagues. I have the Patriots kicker in both my leagues so far. That'll that'll be my one matching piece because Nick Folk, I know Bill Belichick loves kicking some field goals, and damn right, I'm gonna have me my Patriots kicker. I'm on the same boat as you. Like I like when I did my second draft, I was kind of trying not to draft people I drafted in my first draft, so. 
Yeah, I don't know. But I was also looking, we were talking before we were recording, and I was looking at my team again, and, like, it definitely looks like a Chad team. And, like, you said you liked my team, and it makes sense because it looks like a team you would have drafted. I kind of, like, used your theory of drafting some rookies and just kind of going all over the place, going receiver heavy, like, getting a quarterback late in the draft, a risky one. You've done that in the past with some of the, like, first-year starters. Definitely feels like a Chad team, and you've won you've won championships before, so I guess you should be like, what's the word I'm looking for? Proud, honored, honored, proud, honored. Same kind of thing, yeah. Or humbled. You know, you didn't draft a Jr. Beat you team and win the championship this year because I drafted like you, Diesel. If you win the championship this year, I won't even be upset. Yeah, I don't think many people would be. <laughs> I think I think we'd all be cheering for you, actually. actually. That's, Tommy the Gun would be upset. <laughs> Who's going to be sure to throw it in his face? I was going to say, so f- four out of the five, eight people in our league have won championships, uh, which means that four have not. Who is going to be the first of you four to actually win one? Uh, I hate to say it, but it's going to be Jenny. <laughs> Probably. Um. I don't know. This is, I think, our ninth season. When I looked at like the stats of all the champions, this is our ninth season, like doing this league. So yeah, I think I made the playoffs twice in eight seasons. So, and I've only ever missed the playoffs twice. Batting two fifty, I guess, getting to the playoffs. You know, man, you gotta, you gotta just make the dance. It's this year, Diesel. It's your year, buddy. It's your year, man. Yeah, I hope the fantasy football gods are looking down on me and, like, giving my players some PEDs that are undetectable and (laughs) we go all the way this year. Give my players some bionic arms and legs. I don't even care. (laughs) Okay, enough fantasy football talk because I know how much you all out there love when Diesel and I ramble on about our teams, but... Who cares? We got to do it because we're going to keep talking about it. So get used to it. But let us get into the actual show and head right into that first segment, which is hashtag TRT, otherwise known as Top Rope Topics. So, Diesel, what is topic number one today? Well, we are in the year 2022, which is the craziest year not just in wrestling but in existence but i mean of course if it's a crazy year in like irl the wrestling it has to be crazy as well it just the news just doesn't stop coming i thought after vince mcmahon was forced into retirement like it, it had to be the end we couldn't get more right like it's been a crazy year but it's just going to settle down now We're going to go all the way through the rest of the year. Things are going to be weird because we're in a new wrestling landscape, but like it's going to be fine. (laughs) Nothing else can happen. Well, then CM Punk happened. Like, it's my, before we even get into all this, the craziest thing to me is he debuted just a little over a year ago with AEW. He made his comeback. And I, personally didn't think that it would fizzle out this fast i thought it would be a couple years couple three years and i never thought it would get this like 
bad. It's nuclear. Like, it's bad. Um, but, like, just the timeline of the CM Punk thing. Happy to be back in wrestling. Like, it's been so long. Is he got his passion back. And then, then he had the whole thing with Eddie Kingston, which, I don't know, it, it started to make him feel a little bit better, bitter. Then he had the great feud with MJF, which was awesome. And they decided to put him into the title picture. And then he had that promo with Hangman Page where he called him a part-timer. And that's apparently what pissed off CM Punk, which it's a promo. Like, my, my thought is get over it. But then him getting hurt and then him being pissed off about everything, calling like, I don't know, you know what happened. And then everything that happened on Sunday with the basically – it's weird how it progressed too with the question about Cole Cabana and then it moved on to the young bucks and Kenny Omega and then hangman page. And it's just like, and, and then, then back to Cole Cabana. Like, yeah. But then he's like sitting there also saying like, you have a problem with it. He's like, meet me in the corridors. He's like, we'll take care of it right there. He's calling these people out. And like, like from all accounts, this is not a work. Like all the big like wrestling uh, journalists like Dave Meltzer, Sean Rossap, like all the big guys are like saying, this is real. <laughs> like this happened. This was not supposed to happen. And I don't know. And then it's so it's crazy. Like, I feel like this shouldn't have happened number one, because Punk should have handled it differently. It shouldn't have been in like public like this, you know, this has to be handled behind closed doors, but like the way he did it, I don't know. I understand that he is adrenaline was up. He lost a lot of blood in that match and all this stuff. But like, dude, calm down. You can't be like, I don't know if he was trying to make it turn it into an angle and then like he worked it into a shoot. And when, and then the whole thing with the news that came out today is sort of like the first bit of news like came out and like it was kind of like on the young bucks and the elite side, like people telling the story. Uh, news came out about like CM Punk's side basically, and they said that it didn't happen exactly the way the other story went. And CM Punk was in his locker room when the Young Bucks came. His locker room was like banging on his door, and he didn't want to come out and didn't want to answer the door. So they like broke down his door and they came in swinging, and that's when like CM Punk like punched Matt Jackson apparently. Um, and then uh, Ace Steel and Kenny Omega were outside and they both came in. And I guess the reason Ace Steel went so crazy with like throwing a chair and like biting Kenny Omega was because I guess his wife was in the the locker room with CM Punk. I don't know why she was in there and he wasn't, but uh, that's here nor there. Uh, so then, yeah, I don't know. The whole melee happened and he's claiming that he was trying to protect his wife and it's just it's nuts and now like everybody that was involved in the situation isn't going to be on dynamite is what they're saying so like there's no like official word on like punishment or what's going on because there's a legal matter going on so like AEW can't really comment about it and so basically they don't know who's suspended or what like there's reports that are saying that CM Punk is done with AEW, the world champion is done with AEW. And I mean, maybe he should be because this, I don't know, it, this didn't need to happen. And he kind of lit the match. And I don't know. It's just 
And then to top it all off, even if like he's not done, there's also reports saying that he got injured in his match against John Moxley. So like they're saying it's either like a pack or a tricep or something like that. Um, and so he's going to be on the shelf anyways. So it's just like, uh, I think this is, that might've been CM Punk's last match ever. Uh, I don't know. What do you, what are your thoughts on all of this? Wow. What a hot take there to end that whole little thing. Uh, well, first of all, I did hear a steel. The reason his wife was in there is because she was babysitting punk's dog. So CM Punk's dog was in his locker room, and that's why A Steel's wife was in there before A Steel was, because she was watching the dog. Well, that makes sense because they did show CM Punk walking into the building with his dog, yeah. like earlier in the show. Yep. So my thoughts, geez, I. So first of all, on this podcast, I've said it many, many times, thousands of times, probably even. I love CM Punk. I've always CM Punk was one of my favorites growing up. And I, you know, loved his whole, followed his whole career. I, you know, even did watch his uh, UFC stuff. I read his comics. Like, CM Punk's always just, he's been my kind of nerd, if you will, is the best way to put it. He likes the same things I kind of like. He was an independent pro wrestler. He did a lot of cool stuff on the indies, had some great feuds, and I don't know, I gravitated towards CM Punk. CM Punk, however, though, saying all of that has always 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 been one of the most cancerous individuals on this entire planet he has been run out of every single company and every single place that he has ever ever stepped foot in it is scorched earth cm punk every time and you know what fool me once shame on me or shame on you. Fool me t- twice, shame on me. Fool me, I don't know how many times this is. I'm just an idiot. Because you know what? I really thought, I really thought after this time away and coming back to AEW and that promo last year and everything, I was thought CM Punk was a changed man. I thought he had let go of the demons of the past and moved on from everything. But... He can't. He is one of the most prideful individuals probably that we will ever see. And as much as he ripped on VKM and Triple H for being cocky assholes and everything needing to be their way, you hate what you are. Like, he hated them so much because he saw his own reflection in them in a lot of ways that they acted. Because that's who he is. Like, going into business for yourself in this media scrum was absolutely horrible. And I also put a ton of this on Tony Khan. Tony Khan is his fucking boss and is sitting right next to him. As uh, Ross on Cultaholic said, all he needed to do was, hey, Phil, stop. Phil, Phil, I pay your goddamn bills. Stop. Stop. That's, that's what you're there to do, Tony Khan. Not look like a scared little puppy dog as you watch CM Punk just burn your fucking company down around you yeah i agree that's he should have done that but i can also see him seeing dollar signs when this is going on because he 
is into that like work shoot like the blurred line thing and it is good it is good for tv and good for ratings but like when it's not a work at all and it's a shoot the whole time it's you don't want to start out like that like it, it doesn't usually go in your favor like look at like matt hardy versus edge with the whole lita stuff and look what happened like it was a shoot and they put him in a match and edge knocked out Matt Hardy. <laughs> like that match was like five minutes long. Yep. His edge or Matt Hardy got knocked out like literally. So yeah, I don't know. It's not usually the best idea, especially when it's like the hottest it can be to like start an angle with like something that's a shoot like this. I don't know. Um, well, and even if they, even if this was a shoot and you try to turn it into a shoot somehow, this doesn't make you look good no matter what. Even if this was a planned angle that you were like, oh, we should do this. This makes you look like a bunch of just rank amateurs. You- well, it does too. You're right, because this is like a professional press conference. This isn't your wrestling show anymore. This is like legit wrestling press and like sports press. It's not like... Yeah, it's basically like after a football game when you go out there and like you have to answer questions to reporters and stuff like that. It's you're not supposed to do this in kayfabe. Otherwise, why would you have this fucking press conference? And like, I don't know. It's just I I bet you from here on out, things are different during these media scrums. Like they have to be like if like that's not going to fly anymore. And like I also was thinking like what was Triple H like thinking during this whole thing? I know exactly what he was thinking. He was laughing to himself. And I bet you the words that came out with his guy or out of his mouth is you can't work with this guy. Like, like Vince McMahon hated CM Punk, but Triple H hated CM Punk. The reason CM Punk never was allowed back into WWE is because of Triple H and not Vince McMahon. And now that Triple H is in charge, he's definitely like, he's, not like Cody Rhodes, where they're going to be like, yeah, you're welcome back. You're one of ours. CM Punk is never welcome back to WWE. And, and Triple H is like, this is exactly what I told you would happen. They probably, like, people probably asked him his opinion on it. And he's like, this is exactly what I told you would happen. And it's worse than he's ever done, too. It's like, it's mind-boggling. It feels like the inmates are running the asylum in AEW right now. And in the in the beginning, I mean, it's always kind of felt like that. But in the beginning, it felt like a good thing. Like, it felt like, yes, these guys are, like, coming together to create this great wrestling company. Now, the inmates are in the asylum. This feels like Escape from L.A. or Escape from New York, where the entire place has fallen to ruin. And all these little camps are setting up. And everyone is about to have a giant gang war against everyone. Because, I mean, even the, like, Thunder Rosa, Tony Storm stuff. Tony Storm called out Thunder Rosa for being hated and not actually injured during a media press conference. How does this make anyone look good? What are you thinking? I watched uh, Triple H's portion of the press conference after Clash at the Castle, and, like, it's so crazy, like, the professionalism, like, he has compared to like Tony Khan and like, it's, it's, it's nuts. But also I was like, I know we're going to talk about the show later, but do you want to bring up like 
how do you think like MJF feels right now? You know what I mean? Because you know, his like work shoot angle is like based on real life things. And with the way WWE is now, like it makes it even more and more legit that he could jump ship when his contract's up. And now they have this big angle. He's gone for three months and he comes back to like one of the biggest pops in like wrestling history. And this happens immediately after and just kind of like, like burst the bubble. Like if I were MJF, I'd be like, I'm fucking pissed off and I'm not resigning with them or AEW. Like I'm out. My contract is up. I'm out. Yeah. Like this would have been the final straw for me. I don't, I don't understand. I mean, I do understand because you see CM Punk, but just ripping down everyone, including the EVPs, Adam Page, the whole basic locker room, everyone you've worked with, because he just bitched constantly like, I'm forced to work with young kids who don't know what they're doing, who are pricks, and I hate it. And so you're also calling out your boss, because then he called out Tony Khan by going, but you're the one who, you know, books the matches, so I guess I'm going to keep doing it. Like, what? I just... I just don't physically understand where he thought this was going. Does he want he out? Also said, he also says that I'm trying to run a business here. It's like, dude, you're brought in as talent. You weren't brought in as like any executive or anything. As far as I know, you have nothing to do with anything backstage. The only thing you're there to do is wrestle. So like you're trying to run a business. That's not your fucking job, dude. Like, I don't know. It's, it makes me very, very sad because for as excited and how hopeful I was last August when he returned on Rampage, like how great that moment was. And like, uh, is is like this bomb exploded. It's like, I can't believe it. I can't like 2022 fucking a dude. Like there's so many times my mind just can't wrap around what's like happening in wrestling. Huh? And like it all started with Cody Rhodes and Vince McMahon and like all the other shit that I can't even fucking remember anymore because it's just constant. It, it's a it's a constant deluge of just crazy occurrences in pro wrestling right now. And I once again, I don't like saying it, but I can't help it. I've watched WCW growing up as a kid and I I'm sorry I'm not trying to be a dick about this but this feels like WCW did when it started going downhill when it started to turn like this is exactly what was happening individuals going into business for themselves the whole locker room in descent literally year three of uh, the tail end of year three of AEW. And yeah, it's if you think about if you compare it to Nitro, like 95 through 97, like we're probably their best years. And towards the end of 97, it started to get weird. <laughs> and it's the AEW is starting to get weird. It it is, it's like almost a mirrored image. And, and it doesn't help that Tony Khan keeps bringing it up either and going, well, I have way more money than uh, Ted Turner ever did. Great. So you can keep a dead horse moving, but you got to fix the problem or the horse is going to die. You know, it sucks if like AEW does die, Ring of Honor dies with it because nobody's going to want to put uh, Ring of Honor on TV if AEW didn't make it. Like, 
and like who's going to want to buy it because it's always going to be associated with Tony Khan. And that's like the saddest part about it that I've never even thought about until like right this second. But like he's like if AEW dies, it kills like one of the best wrestling promotions ever. And that's that's a sad thing. That's not what I would have expected to happen when AEW. So I mean, I guess I kind of expected AEW to kill Ring of Honor, but I didn't think that they were gonna like do like a murder suicide kind of thing. Uh, I think that uh, Triple H would uh, like buy it under the table just for the tape library. Yeah, but then that'd be a little bit like Vince McMahon playing WCW, and it's just like a fucking chain. Oh yeah, I don't know. Like it's history it's repeats itself, man. Everything so is, is cyclical. Happen again in twenty years. Yeah, like, that's how oh, it goes. Man. Us as humans refuse to learn from our past, so we just keep repeating the same things over and over. AEW will die somehow. WWE, even though it was by far the worst product for the longest time, just survives on and on. And Impact will be there in the background, hanging out. Maybe WWE is the cockroach. Maybe we were wrong about Impact this whole time. I don't know what. Maybe Impact or Twinkies. Mm. But like WWE is actually the cockroach because you can't kill that. They they cut off like cancer. Like they got rid of Vince McMahon, and you know what? They're actually doing better now than they were like a couple months ago when he was like in charge. Thriving. Yeah, they're like the cow from Peacemaker. <laughs> yeah, maybe. That's a good one. I like that. Yeah. I was going to say they're like the Madagascar hissing cockroach, the ones that are yeah. so giant and disgusting and also could probably, you know, eat your child. But, uh, yeah, the Impact's definitely Twinkies. I'm changing that up. No insult to you at all, Impact. You're light golden brown on the outside and creamy on the inside. <laughs> Well, on that note, <laughs> on that note, CM Punk, you crazy motherfucker, you trying to burn down AEW or something? We don't know, but I feel like you are. Oh, God damn it! Well, where do they go from here? I, I mean, I'm tuning into Dynamite tonight. I'm excited to see what happens, and plus, we like what's lost in all of this is we get Wheeler Yuta. Versus uh, Daniel Garcia for the pure title again, and I'll watch that match like a million times. I'll watch that match once today, twice on Sunday, and every other day of the week. But yes. Well, on that note, why don't we move on to the next topic? And it was a huge weekend of wrestling pay-per-views with actual matches, not just CM Punk going off in a media scrum. Other things happened in pro wrestling. And we made some picks, and so we got to talk about some shows. So, Diesel, where are we going first? Well, first of all, do you remember what your picks were? Because I don't exactly 100% remember all my picks. So, I remember I'm, – I'm next to positive that I basically went perfect besides my Tyler Bate pick. And I knew that Tyler Bate was going to lose for Worlds Collide. Well, we'll see if memory, like, comes back when we're going through it. But anyways, the first show we're going to cover is WWE Clash at the Castle. And this is the first WWE pay-per-view in the United Kingdom's first stadium show in the United Kingdom since 92 SummerSlam, 30 years, and first pay-per-view since Insurrection 2003. And sidebar, 
we're gonna Dang. look at the insurrection 2003 card and see what, uh, what was going on all right 19 years ago uh it looks like uh in the dark match maven Uh, the third match, the opening match of the card was Jazz, women's champion with Theodore Long. She defeated Trish Stratus. Christian defeated Booker T to retain the Intercontinental Championship. Kane and Rob Van Dam defeated La Resistance, which was Renee Dupree and Sylvain Grenier, and they retained their tag team championships. Goldust defeated Rico. Which seems like a match they would have in 2003 for sure. Oh, for sure. Uh, the Dudley Boys, which were all three Bubba Ray, Devon, and Spike. Oh, Spike was there. Yeah, defeated Christopher Nowinski, Rodney Mack, and Theodore Long in a six man tag. Uh, what a weird Scott match. Steiner defeated Test in a singles match with Val Venus as the guest referee. And Triple H defended his World Heavyweight Championship against Kevin Nash in a street fight. And Triple H had Ric Flair in his corner and Shawn Michaels was in Kevin Nash's corner. And obviously Triple H won because it was basically just a house show. Yeah, gross. What a terrible card. I've never seen this show because we weren't allowed to see this show. Back in the day when they did stuff like this, there's like, this isn't for everybody. So, yeah. Yeah, what a terrible show. What a terrible, terrible card. I'm glad we didn't have Anyways, to watch that. That was before Kevin Nash got his body Kevin. fixed. So he was just a hobbling man. I wonder if he got his hair cut yet or not. Mm. Yes? No. I don't think so. Maybe so? Maybe so? <laughs> Anywho, we're going to talk about Clash at the Castle. This happened on Saturday, September 3rd, 2022, in Cardiff, Wales, from the Municipality Stadium. So we start out with the pre-show match. I don't know if you watched the pre-show. I'm guessing you did not watch the pre-show. Can you hear me? I can hear you now. My headphone must have died or something. What happens? I can hear you now. You want to start over again? Count me down? Yeah. All right, then. In three, two, one. So we start out with the pre-show. I don't know. I'm guessing you didn't watch the pre-show. Nope. Um, I I did watch the pre-show because I actually watched this event live. It was nice because it was on at noon and I was sitting there on like late Saturday morning. It's like, dude, I don't have anything to do right now. I mean, I thought about watching college football, but the Badgers played later. And so just like, whatever, I'll I'll watch it live. It'll be fun. It'll be a good experience. And so I turned it on during the pre-show and played on my phone. And the first match of the pre-show was a weird one. It was Madcap Moss and the Street Profits, which I just don't understand why leave Madcap Moss is even a thing. They should have just repackaged him. 
and Probably. it's weird that he's a face. I don't know. I know I know his whole story with uh Corbin and everything like that, and it kind of makes sense why he's a face, but I don't know. I don't like it. I don't like it at all. But he teamed with the Street Profits and they defeated Austin Theory and Alpha Academy in six minutes and twenty-nine seconds. And yeah, it was it happened. I didn't think huh? it was anything special. Yeah, that's a odd. I guess you got to get the guys on the show. You have them there, so get them in a match. And then the opening match of the card was Damage Control, which is Bailey, Dakota Kai, and Io Sky. And they defeated Bianca Belair, Alexa Bliss, and Asuka in 18 minutes and 44 seconds. And I thought this was a really, really good opening match. And, like, I was really excited that they got the time that they got. And it felt like this this show kind of felt like a takeover, but not really. Like, it had, like, that little – there was something about it. Like, the pacing of it and the matches. Like, this match felt like an NXT booked match for sure. And yeah. I really enjoyed it. I actually really like this opening as well. I loved the chemistry between Damage Control. Is that what they're being called? Yes. Yeah, Damage Control. I, I loved all three of them working together and the fact that the other team were just thrown together and they kept playing that up on commentary. And yeah, I thought this was a great match overall. Io Sky and Dakota Kai and Bailey are just all awesome. And it's uh, really good to have Bailey back. I agree. But the next match was my match of the probably entire weekend and i we predicted that this match would be the match of the entire weekend and i think a lot of people were surprised by that just because i don't know they didn't know what like mainstream wrestling fans didn't know what they were actually going to get with this match and we did and this match was a slugfest and it was awesome and i did think a few times that sheamus was gonna win and sheamus was the baby face in this match which was it was kind of cool i liked uh even though i was gunther versus sheamus so i didn't say who it was i also found it interesting that uh imperium is back together and they're going by imperium but none of them have the same name as they did before did you notice though at the end of the match she accidentally called him Walter on the when he won in. No. Yeah, she did. She said Walter, not Gunther. And I was like, oh my God. I did not notice that. But that's crazy. And I was like looking at all three of these guys. And it's weird because all three of the guys were going by their real names, like with uh Martel Barcel or was it Marcel Bartel and Fabian Eichner. Now it's Ludwig Kaiser and Giovanni Vinci and Gunther, who is, do you know his real name is Walter Hahn? I did not. I guess I probably should, but I did not. Do you know when his birthday is? When? I just found this out when I uh, uh, looked it up just like five seconds ago when you were dealing with Cooper. And it is August 20th, 1987. No way. I'm not even shitting you. No wonder I love Walter so much. We were we're star-crossed. Uh, I we're actually you know split at birth. I'm actually his twin brother. That's why we look so much alike. 
I mean, I, I'm jealous about that one. That's a well, that's a good person to share a birthday with. I would say I always say that I don't have anyone cool who shares a birthday with me now, but fuck that. Now I got Walter. Yeah, and it does make sense why you like you've liked him for years. And with this match, they gave this match time too. It was 19 minutes and 33 seconds, and it was just yeah. I I don't know. I liked also the psychology of it, like like Sheamus is back. Like hurt after like the first power bomb, and he went for the brogue, and his back gave out, and then Walter like clotheslined his head off, and boom, that was the end. Yeah. It was yeah. Was the best awesome. thing about Walter is just that he doesn't have a finishing move. It's just he can literally finish you with anything in his repertoire, and that clothesline that he does, it probably rivals. It's I don't know if it rivals JBL's clothesline from hell. Still will live in infamy forever, but it's definitely on the same level of it. Yeah, but I don't think it was the best clothesline of the show. That'll come later. But <laughs> uh, later. I also loved how the match opened up, and they had both the brawling, bra- uh, brawling, yeah. brawling brutes and Imperium standing, and they were just battling each other. And Volter and Sheamus just stood there and unmoving, eye to eye. Like that really gave it a big fight feel. I mean, Sheamus made Walter feel smaller. Like, Sheamus is a big guy, and, like, sometimes you don't realize that until he's facing guys that you think are big, but they're not really as big as you think they are, and then you see Sheamus, and it's like, damn, Sheamus is a big guy. I think he's just so white that (laughs) he's, like, transparent, and, like, you just forget that. Dude, he's and he's been around for so long now. That's what I was was thinking about. Yeah, when I was watching that match, like when did he come on? Like oh eight, like, yeah. That's that's almost fifteen years. That's that's crazy. How long like he's been there? Like I mean, you can say what you want about Dolph Ziggler, but it's a testament to him that he's been there just as long. You know, it's like you got to respect that fact. Like, you got to respect it. Um, yeah, this match is back know, and forth, like, hard hitting. I also like the fact at the end the crowd was like like really into Seamus and he like bowed to them and stuff like that. And it was, it was a nice moment. I liked it. Yeah, I liked that He got a standing ovation after the match, but the right man good. won. And yeah. uh, it's like now how much of a bigger like threat is Volter after just that match against Seamus? Like he can be a monster on SmackDown. Be great. I'm curious to see where they go next. I'm really hoping it's not Braun Strowman. I would be very upset because the, the rumor is Braun Strowman's going to SmackDown. And I could see them doing that just because Braun Strowman's a big guy. I don't want that yeah. to happen because I feel like then they would be handcuffed to having Braun Strowman win because he just came back. And then it would ruin him. Yeah. So I'd, be, I'd be really Fingers sad. crossed that that's not going to happen. It's not Vince McMahon anymore. So I have hope that is the case. Yeah, I don't think Braun Strowman needs a title, no matter what. Like, just start flipping cars and blowing up ambulances and grappling hook shit. Like, just do that kind of stuff. You don't need a title. You're fine. Yeah, like, throw the set on Brock Lesnar again. Yeah. <laughs> the next match was also a really good match, in my opinion. It was the uh, singles match for the WWE SmackDown Women's Championship. And it was champion Liv Morgan defeating Shayna Baszler by pinfall. And I did like this match 
even though I really wanted Shayna Baszler to win, and I know that you picked Liv Morgan in this match, and I picked Shayna Baszler, but I mean, I do feel like it did tell a really good story, and I still was bummed that Shayna Baszler didn't win, but the match was a lot of fun, and it was only 11 minutes and two seconds, which is actually longer than 10 minutes, which compared to the old guard, that's definitely, uh, I would say, a positive. Steps in the right direction, baby. Oh, uh, yeah, I really like this match. And I, I love the story they're telling with Liv Morgan. I told you this. She still has got legs under her. And I know it was a UK crowd, so you can't, like, fully gauge it because they, of course, UK crowds are always some of the best out there of all time and just really add to the atmosphere. But her beating Shayna Baszler, I don't think Shayna Baszler looked bad in defeat at all. She pretty much, once again, Liv Morgan is another one of those people who can just take a beating. <laughs> and it's just... Fun to watch her take a beating. I wonder if Shayna Baszler is going to be the one that eventually beats her, though. Like, if this was, like, the first match and Shayna Baszler is going to... Like, we've seen Shayna Baszler in NXT when, like, she's unstoppable and she, like, gets in that, like, mode. Like, I wonder if that's going to happen. If, like, this is going to make her snap. I mean, hopefully it's not like when she debuted on Raw and, like, bit Becky Lynch in the neck. Yeah. That would be that would be bad if that'd Don't be bad do that again. Yep. <laughs> I mean, the money match that we all have to get to here. No offense to live or anything like that. Is Shayna versus Ronda though? So yeah. I do oh, think I you have to be right that I think Shayna will be the one to dethrone Liv, and then Ronda after they do whatever they're doing with Ronda right now, being a crazy. That's the big money match. Like we got to see Shayna Baszler versus mean- Ronda Rousey. Or you could have Ronda win it back from Liv and then Sheena beat Ronda like WrestleMania or something like that. That's true. That's that's a possibility. Sheena Baszler could win the Royal Rumble. Or they could tell her she's going to win the Royal Rumble and then before she goes out there, like, actually, Charlotte's going to win. Actually, we're going to need you to come in on Monday. Next month. Next month, we're going to have an elimination chamber and you're going to eliminate everybody. And then at WrestleMania, you're not even going to be on the card. <laughs> yeah, then we're not going to do anything with it. And you know why? Because you bet you bit Becky Lynch in the neck. You sturdy, dirty bitch. <laughs> you d- wow. Wow. Shots fired again, it's, Diesel. No, that's, that's Vince McMahon, not me. Oh, that's VK. You know how right. I feel about uh, Shayna Baszler. I have Thank her you. shirt. She's the queen of spades. I know you love you some Shayna Baszler, as apparently does Coop. She's apparently a big fan. Next match is or was Edge and Rey Mysterio with Dominic Mysterio against Judgment Day, which Finn Balor and Damian Priest with Rhea Ripley and Edge and Rey Mysterio won. Which we did get this match. Yeah, we we both both got this wrong. Judgment Day. Yeah, Yeah. because the thing that we thought was going to happen in the match didn't happen until after the match. which kind of doesn't make any sense. You think that they would have had Dominic Mysterio turn on Ray like during the match and then Judgment Day would win. That's the only thing I'm confused about. Maybe they wanted you to think that they weren't, they weren't going to do it at this show. I don't know. I just feel like it would have been more effective during the match. 
I think that it came down to when they looked at all the people winning on this card, they were like, wow, there's a lot of heels winning here. We probably should put over Rey Mysterio and Edge, right? We got, we can do it because we can still do the turn right afterwards, right? Because we got to do the turn, but we got to get some something the crowd can cheer. Yeah, because how many years has it been? Like almost three years that Dominic Mysterio has been in the WWE, and it's like at least waiting for for a while. Um, But yeah, this was the best clothesline of the night when he took Rey Mysterio's head off. Dominic did. Boy, first he kicked Edge in the balls. Yeah, and then he yeah he clotheslined the hell out of Rey Mysterio. I really thought he was gonna take off his mask and like put it. I on did or too. Something. Yeah, I thought I I thought he would do something with the mask, especially when I knew that a hundred percent the turn was coming. Especially when Edge came out in a mask for his entrance, and like how pissed Dominic already was about this whole like tag team situation, and then Edge wearing a mask. I was like. Well, that'd be the straw that would break the camel's back if it was me in this situation. I would literally be like, F you, F you. All right, Rhea, you hit me with a cane, but I kind of liked it. So you're cool. F you, I'm out. Yeah, this match, I mean, it was a fun match, too. Like, it was a good back and forth. Got to see Edge hit the 619. Like, there was a lot of good stuff there. Like, once again, we haven't even mentioned Michael Cole. And, like, I think that he did a great job again. And, like, his, like, bringing up a lot how they were a tag team, like, 20 years ago. And, like, I don't know how cool it is to see them, like, tag again. And it is kind of cool because, yeah, when we were adolescents, they were, like, they were a big deal back then on SmackDown. Dude, they were part of the SmackDown 6, the greatest time in SmackDown history. Exactly. So, and here's another thought that I just had because I was thinking about Michael Cole. I didn't even notice Byron on this show at all, to be honest with you. But when I think back at watching this show, I can only remember Michael Cole and Corey Graves. I know Byron was there because I saw him sitting there, <laughs> but I don't remember him on the show. Did he speak? Must <laughs> have. But, I mean, that's a good thing, I guess. You know, like, because sometimes you hear Byron, you're just like, oh, my God, dude. Like, and I don't hate Byron. I feel like I remember Corey Graves making fun of him at one point, and that's the only thing that my brain – but Corey Graves makes fun of him every time, so this could just be my brain trying to make up a memory. I don't hate Byron. I actually like Byron. It just – it felt like it was a two-man booth. But I know he was there because I saw it because they showed the commentary team a couple times. But I I just had this random thought. Weird. Huh. Um, but yeah, I dig Judgment Day. I really think that uh, Damian Priest and Finn Balor are a oddly really good tag team. I don't know. They're one of those that I would never have gone like, yeah, let's put those guys together. But now that they are together, like that's a lot of fun. Yeah, it kind of feels like, I don't know, Finn Balor just has this charisma about him. Like with starting Bullet Club and stuff like that, in a way, he brings that to this like gimmick and faction and stuff like that and it almost feels like when he was in bullet club and like i obviously didn't live through it and i've only seen like things but it did feel like like he was king and the people below him were like doing his bidding and everything like that and it feels like that's what priest is doing and it feels like it the 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 dynamic works because finn balor is just so good at playing that role. Ben Balor's the fucking man, and he has a giant penis. 
Yeah. Okay. Well, anyways, Seth Rollins. Segway. Seth Rollins versus Matt Riddle was next, and yeah, this match was nuts. Uh, Seth Rollins is he is like Chris Jericho 2.0 and like reinventing himself and like things like if you go across his like just his main roster going coming up with the shield then becoming the architect then like just everything that he's done Monday Night Rollins into the Monday Night Messiah and now into the like the gimmick he has now it's just like dude is crazy and like what he was wearing like reminded me of like something disco inferno would wear though yeah he looked like That's one of the I, I thought he looked like Kronk from uh emperor's new groove when he's in the devil's costume like the little yeah. devil that sits on his shoulder like i thought that was exactly what the costume was and just it's that freaking laugh man it's it's that damn seth rollins <laughs> laugh it it just grates on you, and you just want to see him get his head knocked in. But then he's still Seth freaking Rollins and is so good in the ring that, like, even when he wins, and he wins clean all the time, we don't even complain about it. He's the bad guy, and he wins clean. And we, it's like, if this was Triple H back in the day, we would be yelling all the time. No, it's also weird how he is the bad guy and the crowd boos him but during the match they just sing his song like especially this crowd because you're in the uk and they're way more vocal but like even like when you're in america like they just like they're singing his song throughout the entire fucking match which is crazy because he's the heel (laughs) like i don't know and like they booed him when he won and this match, I don't know. Do you think Matt Riddle and Seth Rollins hate each other in real life? Oh, yeah. And, like, like is that why, like, it got personal? Like, I mean, obviously, it's not AEW. This was approved. Like, they didn't just go out and, like, do that. But do you think, like, they don't like each other? Maybe they're cool with each other and, like, because Matt Riddle is a pretty laid-back guy. And if Seth Rollins came to him and, like, dude, like, I know how to get, like, super heat and, like, really make our match fire. Like, if I said this, if you're okay with this, I say this, I could see, like, Matt really going, like, bro. <laughs> so, I don't know. I will say, I don't – I've they've both been on up, up, down, down many times. And whenever they are, they're always positioned as far away from each other as they humanly can be. Like – Anytime they have like a panel of like up, up, down, down players, they're always on opposite sides. So I really don't think they like each other at all. I, I think if they could go without having to interact with each other, they would. Yeah, I think uh, Matt Riddle actually rubs people the wrong way. I mean, there's people that like them, but I think the people that don't like them, like really don't like them. But you know who does like him? I like him. What's that? Randy Orton. <laughs> Randy Orton really likes him. And like, man, I wish I was like riding in the car with them, like to the next town, because you know what's going on in there, oh. for sure. Yeah, they're, they're climbing to the top rope. Like, lifted, yeah. Since they lifted the like ban on that substance, yeah, you know yeah. what's happening. Um, even when it was banned, they knew that Rob Van Dam was doing it. 
Like there was, uh, I heard a story that like was told by Stephanie McMahon how she had to tell him to like change his clothes before he walked in the building because he reeked of marijuana. I'm not shocked by that fact at all. Uh, but no, I don't know. back to this Matt Riddle, Matt Riddle, Seth Rollins match. <laughs> like, sorry, that was a weird sidebar that wasn't yeah. called for. No, just a ding, <laughs> ding uh, retroactively. But I so. Uh, Volta versus Sheamus was obviously the match of the weekend, but this probably could have been a close second because these two beat the piss out of each other as well. There's a match later on that is, is a clear cut second for me, and I also feel like it was really close to like being number one. But I'm not going to give it number one. I'm giving it to Walter and Sheamus. But anyways, go on. Yeah. Sorry. Okay, I, I guess I'm also more uh, even on this show. So I guess this is the second best best match on this card, and it. Uh, yes, yeah, I would agree with that. I'm just looking at the rest of the card. Thanks, it thanks. I, I, I needed your approval, so I'm so glad that you agree with me on this, because once again, the video package and everything that led into this is just so awesome, and. Remember when Seth Rollins started using the pedigree and he just couldn't do it? Dude, he fucking has the pedigree down to an art once again. It's on, if not better than Triple H's ever was. The pedigree he had... He does it in transition. Like, he'll use it as a counter where Triple H, like, rarely ever uses it as a counter because he wasn't... I don't know. His body didn't work that way. He would have probably, like, landed on somebody's head or something like that. Like... Seth Rollins like can move in a way where like he can like still hit it. You know, CrossFit Jesus, yeah. Agile. Parkour. 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 <laughs> okay, great match. I, I I don't I don't think we're gonna get anything else out of this match because we're just so off topic. So maybe we move on. <laughs> okay, well the final match, main event of the show, was for the undisputed WWE Universal Championship. And it was champion Roman Reigns and versus Drew McIntyre. And I picked Drew McIntyre. You picked Roman Reigns. And I really wanted Roman Reigns. I was rooting for Roman Reigns in this match because I just, no offense to Drew McIntyre, I just didn't want him to be the one to take the belt off of him. And the whole time, like, I thought it was going to be Drew McIntyre. There were so many times where it was close to being Drew McIntyre. Claymores. And then Roman Reigns would hit, like, a spear. And then Drew McIntyre would kick out. And, like, this match. Dude, know, when man. Drew kicked out of this. Match was, I don't know. This match might have been the second best match on the card for me. Now I'm thinking about it. Like, with all the near falls and, like, the Charles Robinson stuff. And, like, uh, I don't know. Just, I thought it was over. He hit that Claymore. And then, uh, what's his Seiko. name? Sika Sokoa. Yeah. Uh, pulled him, pulled Charles Robinson out of the ring or like another referee out of the ring. And it's like, yes, because I knew he was winning. And we got another member of the bloodline. And yeah. And that's where the show ended. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's all we need to talk about. But no, right. during the match. Uh, almost cash in too, which was awesome. That was that part was great. Also, during the match, when Roman hit the second spear and Drew kicked out, I thought Drew was 100% winning at that point. I was like, no, man, no. Well, the crowd was like super into Drew McIntyre. Obviously, they would be because he's from Scotland, and it's just like it felt like it was his night, and 
I don't know. Even like Corey Graves said, like he thinks it's Drew McIntyre's night, like going into the match. Now he was like me. He was rooting for Roman Reigns, but he said he thought it was Drew McIntyre's night. And I did too. And you're right. After that second spear, like, and he kicked out, it's like, there's no way. Cause one more Claymore and it's going to be over. And we hit that Claymore. I was just like, ah, and like, I, for a second, I actually thought he lost. Cause I didn't, my brain like couldn't comprehend. Cause like, I thought the Claymore was over when the ref got pulled out of the ring. It's just like, it took a like second to like connect. And I'm like, yes. And he won. And the cash in, like I said, was awesome with uh, <laughs> uh, Austin Theory. He got his name back. A Town. Now we know uh, where the A and A Town comes from. It comes from Austin. Yeah, exactly. And uh, he comes down to cash in and he's handing the referee the briefcase and then Tyson Fury who's in the front row just knocks his ass out for no fucking reason at all. Like I don't get it. Like, I mean, it, it's fun, but at the same time, I don't get it. And then yeah, then the aftermath, right, after the match when he shook Roman Reigns' hand and then celebrated with Drew McIntyre and like it felt like that was for the live crowd and not and like I kept watching yeah. I thought maybe like Tyson Fury was gonna like hit your or vice versa yeah. or something. And no. <laughs> no, they happened. just sung the song and then Drew McIntyre goes, Are we still on the air? And I was like, What is happening? He's doing this for a laugh, he says. And it's like, I don't understand why he's saying American pie in the UK. Uh I don't know. Maybe that the UK people, you know how they love their songs. Maybe that's like the theme well, song was- of Cardiff. It was like they expected the crowd to sing along and like seemed like nobody knew the words. Like I don't I don't know. That uh, when you I uh, maybe they cuz I didn't watch it live. So maybe on the um replay they piped in the crowd cuz uh when I watched it it seemed like the crowd was singing along. It was it was a really weird moment and yeah, it, it was like, a very odd way. The show yeah, the sure just ended the show with Roman Reigns on top of the ramp, holding up the belts. Bam! Good night, everybody. Even though I was kind of disappointed because I wanted to see somebody come out and challenge him or something like that, but you can't get that every time. I understand that, but still, I want it to be like a video game. Like, yeah, each time. Like, but I mean, overall, this show was great. Yeah, uh, the like six matches on the main card, awesome. It was, I think it was like three hours long, which is a good length. It was fun. I liked it a lot. Apparently, I didn't watch Raw, but I heard that Raw was kind of a little not great. It's like Triple H's worst Raw yet. But, I mean, still, it's after this pay-per-view. That's how it should be. The first one after a pay-per-view, you slowly build to the next one. But this was great. I think I'm going to continue to watch the pay-per-views, maybe not quite get back on the Raw and SmackDown bandwagon yet, but uh, I think I'll be tuning in. I think the next one's Extreme Rules in Philadelphia, so I'm sure there's going to be some fun stuff on that pay-per-view, so yeah. Uh, yeah, I really enjoyed Clash of the Castle. It was a lot of fun. I thought everything made sense on the show, and yeah, I'm much more closely following Raw and SmackDown now, and I probably won't miss a pay-per-view going forward for a little while at least. Yeah, well, now we're moving on to uh, the second show of the weekend, which was basically NXT 
Worlds Collide. And I did not watch this one live, but I did watch it on Sunday night. Um, I'm just going to say before we go into it, I was, I was kind of disappointed, to be honest with you. It, I don't know. It's, I... it's, I'm disappointed because it's called NXT and it's not what I think of as NXT. And I know I got to get over that. That's on me because it is developmental and they definitely have more of a focus on it being developmental. So I need to like basically, you know, accept that fact. But I'm not there yet. Got to check yourself before you wreck yourself, Diesel. Yeah. But this show started out with probably this is my favorite match on the show, and it was Carmelo Hayes with Trick Williams versus Ricochet, and it got 15 minutes 57 seconds. Carmelo Hayes retained the North American Championship. I mean, Ricochet played the dumb face, like because he kept on getting involved with Trick Williams, and then he lost by the most lethal move in all of wrestling and that is a surprise roll up but he was attempting to go for the shooting star press i believe or something like that it was when he was going through his roll through because he uh carmelo yeah. hayes got out of the way and so like he rolled mm-hmm. through but carmelo hayes caught him and rolled him up so i mean it was a creative way to win by a roll up but it was still a roll of victory nonetheless and i mean it makes sense why carmelo hayes retains but i just I like Ricochet. I just wanted to see him win. Yeah, I really I enjoyed this match. Uh, Carmelo Hayes is quite impressive, but Ricochet is Ricochet. I loved how this match just immediately. How long did they give him? 15 minutes? 15 minutes and 57 seconds. Yeah, the first five minutes of this match was just them basically flipping all over and going, anything you can do, I can do better. And then you had that giant springboard clothesline where they doubled, they clotheslined each other like in the middle of the air, in the middle of the ring, which I thought was absolutely great. And I love that kind of stuff. So I really... I enjoyed this match. I I don't know if it was my favorite match on the of the night, but it was good. It was really good. I thought it showed Carmelo Hayes definitely is a deserving North American champion as a heel. The next match was a fatal four-way tag team elimination match to unify the NXT tag team championships and the NXT UK tag team championships. And I mean this match was okay. It was the teams were pretty deadly. The Creed brothers, um, Gallus and uh, Brooks Jensen and Josh Briggs. And Briggs and Jensen were eliminated first. They were the UK tag team champions. And then Gallus was eliminated. And then it came down to pretty deadly in the Creed brothers. And there was an angle earlier in the show that Roderick Strong got attacked in the parking lot because that's the most dangerous place in NXT is the oh, parking yeah. lot. Shouldn't go and, in the parking lot. Yep, never go in the parking lot. No. And get picked up at the front um, door. Don't go to the parking lot. Yes, uh Damon Kemp, who came out with the Creed brothers, uh helped them like not get eliminated in the match and then turned on them and I don't remember what his finisher is I've been watching NXT so this is actually the first match I've ever seen with 
half of them, and I've only seen like maybe one or two matches with Briggs and Jensen. But yeah, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. This one fell flat with the whole angle and stuff like that, and pretty deadly ended up winning. And they seem like they could be like a cool tag team, but they didn't really showcase anybody in this match. And it was kind of just like a bit, it was a mess. Yeah. It got less time than the opening match. And it was a four way elimination match. And it was for 15 minutes and 34 seconds. I guess I, I had higher hopes coming into this because it was a tag team match and it just didn't really live up to my expectations. And that's kind of sad but yeah i think this is one of the few times that i would ever say that i usually think the elimination is a better structure for tag matches or multi-man matches in general but this one having it be a multi-elimination match actually kind of made everyone else look worse i think this match would have been better served as a single fall fatal four-way tag team match having all eight guys in the you know ring at the same time because then you could have had the same angles go over just like you did, but pretty deadly winning in the, you know, shit can way that they did, I feel would make way more sense in a fatal four way than this elimination style. And yeah, this unfortunately I think was my least favorite match on the entire card. You like things like uh, elimination tag matches that don't make sense to me or why would you want to tag in? You can only be eliminated if you're the legal team. So why would you ever take into the match? It's just like concepts like that. Just, I don't know. It kind of, I love like a uh, fatal four way elimination match when it's like a singles thing that makes more sense. Like, or if it's a fatal four way take team match, I like that too. It makes sense why you'd want to be in the match and stuff like that. It's just, I don't know. So that kind of takes it away from me, but I do like elimination matches. Don't, don't stop doing those. Yeah. But, don't, uh, don't put words in our mouths. Elimination matches are great. This is just one of the few times where I think that it wasn't the best of choices. Yes. Um, the next match was to unify the NXT women's championship and the NXT UK women's championship. And it was Mandy Rose, who's the NXT women's champion Nico Satamura, who was NXT UK Women's Champion, and Blair Davenport, Blair Davenport, sorry. And this match was okay. Um, I don't think Mandy Rose is that great of a wrestler, and she won. It was kind of, I don't know, it just. I felt like they should have given it to Blair Davenport just because she didn't come in with the belt, and it would have been a cooler. Thing and like push her because I don't Mandy Rose is not great and I'm sorry I don't have anything against her but like she's held the title for like 300 days they said somewhere around there it's like oh, wow. that's I mean for, for being Mandy Rose that's impressive but like that also says a lot about your women's division uh, I thought this match was fine um, this match and the tag team match are the two matches that I got both of them right because I did pick Pretty Deadly and Mandy Rose to win. So that's why I said I, uh, the only thing I got wrong was the Tyler Bate. And I knew I shouldn't have done that, but I just talked myself into it. But I don't... Mandy Rose is solid. She's not great. She's not bad. I really like her step-up knee and her like running knee. She's got a few good strikes in there. And she's got the look. Like... She does have the look of a pro wrestler, and I think that her as champion kind of being the bad guy and boss who doesn't really, 
you know, fit the NXT mold. I know she fits NXT 2.0's mold, but that's neither here nor there. I think it's a good plan going forward for a new era. So I actually like that Mandy won here, and I think it was the right decision. I don't think either, no offense to either of the other two women in this match. I don't know. It kind of feels like they're trying to do Alexa Bliss all over again in a way. Um, I don't know. I mean, Alexa Bliss really fell off the map, hasn't she? Yeah. Like, remember when she, like, we were so sick of her being women's champion because she was always women's champion? And that was, like, five years ago. She hasn't been women's champion in, like, five years. So I wow. feel bad for her. Yeah. That's um, uh, anyway. wild. I, that is crazy how far Alexa Bliss, like, and think of her back to her NXT days. I mean, it's come full circle because when she was in NXT, she was just the manager. And she came over, and then she got called up, and then, yeah, I don't know. I love Alexa Bliss, and I don't know. It's just weird. I feel bad for her because, like, she was a really good heel, and now it just feels like it's misdirected. Like, they don't know what to do with her. And it's not that hard. Just make her a heel again. Just yeah. make her Harley Quinn. Like, she was, like, a few years ago, you know? like Yeah, let her use her love of comic books and nerd stuff and, you know, be Freddy Krueger or Harley Quinn or whatever. If you're going to bring Kevin back or Kevin Owens back to being the prize fighter, like just start putting people back in their own gimmicks that worked that they should have never left on. You know, I don't know. Just just thought. Anyway, the next match is was for the NXT Women's Tag Team Championship, and it was uh katana chance and kaden carter versus dewdrop and nikki ash and i don't even really remember anything from this match i forgot it was on the card i, uh, I mean the champs defend or uh, retained yeah when i said that the other tag team match was my least favorite match on the card i had forgotten about this one and no offense to anyone in this match but this on a card where everything was important felt like it meant nothing it was the least important match on this entire card and didn't feel like it belonged. And I just, I, I don't, I don't think they should have put it on the card at all. This should have been on the pre-show. If there was a pre-show, I don't even know. It wasn't. Well, um, then this should have just been on TV. Yep. Yeah. I'll just move on to the next match, which is the main event. And it was to unify the NXT championship and the United Kingdom championship. And it was NXT champion Braun Breaker and NXT UK champion Tyler Bates. And I felt like we were going to get a better match than what we got. It it only went 17 minutes and 11 seconds, which I thought was kind of short, especially for a unification match. Like, it could have went longer than that. But, I mean, it is Braun Breaker, I guess. You don't really want to expose him. Like he Yeah, he's still quite is, young. In a lot of ways, like Goldberg, he's more more of a pro wrestler than Goldberg. He has more than like two moves, but like in a lot of ways, like he's a powerhouse and those guys, it's not always good for them to go a little really long time, but I don't know. It just, it never really felt like Tyler Bate got over. It didn't feel like he came out of this match looking good. You know, it kind of almost like felt in a way like he put up a good fight, but then Braun Breaker destroyed him at the end, and like it just kind of felt like Braun Breaker, like barely broke a sweat, you know. 
like, here's our champion. This guy's fucking awesome. Tyler Bates, great, but like, this is our guy. You know, I don't know. It just, I just had a bitter taste in my mouth after this match. That's fair. I mean, I will say that it was quite clear that Braun Breaker is, you know, NXT's guy and he will be a future, you know, main event champion at some point. I will say there were a couple times in this match where I really thought Tyler Bate might pull it out. Like there was a couple near falls and maybe that's just the greatness of Tyler Bate and me just really wanting Tyler Bate to win. But I do agree that I think it deserved more time, like even just another three minutes, like 20 minutes, like seemed like it should have been like the low end for a unification match just because of how big this match was. And also the freaking prestigious matches that the UK championship had had over its lifespan, like I felt like it did deserve a little bit longer. I didn't have a bitter taste in my mouth after this match. I didn't have, though, what we would call a great taste either. I just kind of was like, all right, that that makes sense. It was just kind of there. It's like eating plain yogurt. But, I mean, Tyler Bate is going to be in NXT. And with NXT Europe coming up, who knows? He might take the path of Walter, Gunther, and, like, end up on the main roster. And he might go back to... UK, who knows? So I don't know. But my thoughts on this show as a whole is unlike Clash of the Castle, I do not plan on watching the next NXT like premium live special or I'm not watching NXT 2.0 either. It's it's not good. And I understand that their main focus is on the main roster, and that's where it should be. But at the same time, it's just like NXT at one point was the greatest wrestling on the planet. And it's just, it's hard pill to swallow that it's this bad. But it happened fairly quickly. Almost in the same amount of time uh, CM Punk took to explode. Yeah, you know, almost. A little bit longer. But yeah, I, I have to agree. I don't think I'm going to be going out of my way to watch the next TakeOver or whatever they call them now, premium live event, because I don't even think they call them TakeOvers anymore. Maybe they'll start calling them TakeOvers again, but it's it's developmental. And once again, everything's cyclical. So maybe in you know another three, four years, we'll come back and be like, once again, NXT, greatest thing on the planet right now. These kids have all developed into these whirlwind superstars. And NXT right now is pumping out great matches after great matches. You know what's going to happen? It's uh, so in like three, four, five years, AEW is not going to be a thing anymore like we talked about earlier. And then ROH is going to be dead. And then Seth Rollins is going to take over NXT and Triple H is going to start losing it. But Seth Rollins is going to book the greatest like independent but WWE product. And it's just a full circle. It's going to happen like that. (laughs) Him and Becky Lynch together. And then eventually (laughs) their uh, daughter will rise through the ranks only to usurp their mother and father. Yes. So WWE is just going to become Game of Thrones, huh? Yep. Nice. Nice. Yeah. All right. I I think we're done with uh, NXT. So uh, let's move on to the elephant in the room. And I do mean elephant because this thing is fucking huge. Yes. Elephant indeed, Chad. And it is recovering all out. 2022 and my initial 
thought on this show is what a difference a whole year makes from all out 2021 to all out 2022 and where we're at. It's like, if you ever want to like compare something as night and day, that's this. It's crazy. But uh, yeah, we are not covering the pre-show because neither of us watched the pre-show for unnecessary matches that in my opinion, probably could have just been on dark besides that Eddie Kingston Ishii match. But everything else could have probably been at least Rampage. Like they're not even that great of matchups, in my, in my opinion. Yeah. So that five times already. Anyways, the show started off with the casino ladder match, which I thought was a nice touch. Like everybody likes a good ladder match. It's a good way. I mean, it's in Chicago, so the crowd is hot. I'll oh, give them yeah. credit for that. For this long show, all the way to the very end, they were hot. There was only one piss break match, and it was the match that you probably would guess would have been the piss break match. But well, actually, that's not even true because they really got into that one too. But anywho, this match was uh, weirdly um, rules. Like, have they had the casino ladder match before where, like, People come out like like a Royal Rumble style, and it's, I don't, it's weird because you can win it at any time. Like, no. like the first two people could win it, you know. It was very odd, and I don't think they have because I feel like every other time we've had the casino battle royals, they've always been everyone's in the ring right away, and then it just you know makes sense that way. Were they ever? I think this is a you know, like just a mashup of their concepts, isn't it? Yeah, it's the face of the revolution ladder match and the casino battle royal, like kind of like combined. Yeah, which is weird. Like, I don't like that for a ladder match. Like, I mean, it would be stupid to have two people start and not be able to win, and you have to wait for everybody to come down. Like, war games. Yeah. Otherwise, if you couldn't win right then, I would just stand there. Like that would make the most sense. Just wait for everyone to come down, anyways. Like, why would I expend any energy? It's also stupid to advertise a seven-man ladder match and only three guys come out and it's over. And then the other four guys like never even got in the match. Yep. So like I think it's a poor concept. I mean, it's 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 an idea, and I just think that it's not a great idea. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with trying new stuff out. I just I don't think this, yeah, this was not a great one. There were some cool spots in it. We had the big old sunset flip power bomb onto the ladder, you know, bridge, which I don't know how people don't die when that happens. I can barely walk on a ladder and not think about just breaking my knees or ankles every single time. And these people are getting power bombed onto them. And I just, I don't know how people don't die. This match was only 14 minutes and 15 seconds. And I feel like a lot of stuff happened that I can't even like remember all of it. Um, it's also weird because it was all basically tag teams in a way, except for Dante Martin. Yeah, think about it like they all had somebody from their team in this match, but Dante Martin was on his own, and then the Joker wall, and you had uh, Retribution come out and attack everybody and someone climbed the ladder which turned out to be stokely hathaway and then everyone else was revealed to be ethan page lee moriarty um colton gunn austin gunn and w morrissey 
and it's like okay and like oh and the joker obviously and he didn't reveal himself but like i knew who he was we all knew who he was find out but like i knew who he was just from his walk just from his pant like where his like pants are on the bottom like he kind of wears them a little higher and his big bubble butt in his dress pants like i knew who he was but uh and his yeah. devil mask. I mean, I thought Ooh, I thought it was interesting, scary. though. I thought it was interesting. I knowing who it was, it definitely had me intrigued to see where this went because you knew that it was going to come back up later in the show at some point. So I was definitely okay with the way this match ended. Um, Diesel, I won't lie. This- when watching this and seeing the ending of this match, I really thought you were going to be right of your prediction that you made last week. And that's how Very all out was going to go off the air. I thought so as well, dude. I did. <laughs> but I don't know. Part of me, like, I mean, as a whole, I don't like this match, but I like the way it moved the storyline along and that kind of stuff. I feel like you couldn't put this match anywhere but the beginning just because of the angle. But at the same time, it was not the best curtain jerker. It was fine. There was some good moments in it, but it was it was kind of messy. And yeah. This was the I guess the epitome, I would say, of when Jim Cornette's right about wrestling just being spot monkeys, because this match was all about just getting through the spots and then getting to the finish of having this group come out and attack. It wasn't it wasn't a ladder match. Like when I think ladder matches, I think money in the bank ladder matches. I think the other uh you know face of the revolution ladder matches that AEW has put over. I think of ladder wars. Like this the ladder felt like it was just there to tell the story. And I don't like that at all because Ladder matches are supposed to be the, I know they're dangerous and everything, but those are supposed to be the big matches, the like curtain jerkers. Like you should have this first and it should have been like, woo, like crazy exciting. I feel like, yeah, there were some cool spots in it, but everything felt like we're just getting to those spots and we're just running through a script to get to the final moments of this match and having this group come out. And then none of the people who actually really wrestled in the match win the match which also is always just kind of annoying. Like they did this with Brock Lesnar a lot that long ago, and we all got real pissed about it, folks, even though it did leave to party Brock. And then we were all happy about it after. But in the initial, we were pissed. This is just a like, side note in like, the show as a whole, too. Tony Schiavone was kind of off his game in this show. Like there was a moment, I don't remember if it was the first match or the second match, where like three times, and like Taz like pointed this out that uh he would call Taz Excalibur. And it seemed like Taz was like super annoyed with Tony Schiavone. I kind of thought it was funny. I mean, I I like Taz on commentary. I, I do think it's a good idea to have him out there. I just wish they would stop bringing JR out there too, but what are you gonna do? I'm gonna be 100 honest with you. I don't really listen to commentary much anymore. I tr- I turn my TV kind of down pretty far, and I just watch the action. I don't. I mean, I don't mind Excalibur as much as I used to, but that could also be Stockholm syndrome, and so I don't know. Maybe that's what's going on with Michael Cole as well. Who knows? But uh, moving on to the next match, which this was a great match, and it was 
the tournament final for the inaugural AEW World Trios Championship between the elite Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks with Brandon Cutler and Michael Nakazawa. They defeated Hangman and Page and the Dark Order, which is Alex Reynolds and John Silver. And this match was awesome. I really liked the psychology in this match, how uh, Hangman Page was stopping John Silver from attacking Matt Jackson because he's hurt. And, like, how many times, like, Hangman Page was like, kind of get in the way. And, like, these guys are my friends, you know. And inevitably it's what cost them the match at the end. And, yep. like, I, I can't wait to see how this, like, this falling out happens because Hangman Page is finally not going to be in Dark Order's favor. And I don't know what's going to happen. And now with what happened, like, in real life with the Elite and stuff like that, where they go with this, I don't know. It's, it's But, like, the match as a whole was great. We I was totally wrong about Kenny Omega last week. He was not snacking while he was away. No. Well, this all. <laughs> He's in he just, shape. Yeah, he was just wearing that compression shirt to fuck with us. Yeah, but uh, it was a great match. I loved it. It wasn't my match of the night, but it was two, probably number two. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I thought this was a great trios match. I still think that it should have been uh, United Empire versus the Elite for the pay-per-view, even though I did like the psychology that they did sell here. But... Here's the real question is not even talking about what's all going to happen in the media scrum afterwards, but with now apparently Bobby Fish leaving AEW and also apparently Kyle O'Reilly leaving AEW, what what are they going to do now? Kyle O'Reilly, I didn't hear anything about Kyle O'Reilly. He signed a long-term deal. Like, I think he's like through like 2027 or something like that. Um, but uh, Bobby Fish, yeah, he's out. Uh, I don't know. I feel like I don't know how long of a deal Adam Cole signed. I kind of feel like it was only for like a couple years, and I feel like he's headed back to WWE when his contract's up because Triple H is his mentor, like, that's his favorite wrestler of all time. And like, I feel like with Triple H running things, he's gonna go back, but. I don't know what they're going to do. It's it's interesting what's going to happen. And I feel like this is going to hurt Adam Cole in the long run, at least for the rest of his AEW run, because I don't know. Yeah, I don't think he's going to be as held up as high as he was. I think his last great accomplishment in AEW was winning the first ever Owen Hart Memorial Tournament. I think that's going to be his only big AEW accomplishment. And it's really unfortunate because Adam Cole. The next match was a match that was a common theme on the show. Probably should have been on Dynamite. It was for the AEW TBS championship. And it was champion Jay Cargill. Jay Car- Jade Cargill. I was trying to put her name together. Uh, she was with the baddies and she defeated Athena in four minutes and 20 seconds. Nice. Um, she was also basically her, she came out as She Hulk, which I thought was pretty cool too. And now knowing that this match went four minutes and 20 seconds and she was all green, it makes it a little bit better. But she ran through Athena and it's like, great. Now we got another like very capable like 
woman in their division that just was buried by Jade Cargill. And now what are we going to do with her? Like now she feels like she can't challenge for this title again. So that means she can't challenge for the women's championship. So it's just like bummer. Why? Why do they keep doing this? Because Athena is a really good wrestler and could be women's champion, but no, no, not at all. And I don't know, where do they go with Jade Cargill next? She's 37 and 0. And who's the next challenger? I don't think anybody really could be the next challenger besides somebody that's already at the top of the card, like maybe Britt Baker. But if it was Britt Baker, she'd have to win. So maybe it would be a uh, spoiler for a match later. She didn't win her match. It could be like someone like Jamie Hayter, which that would make a lot of sense with how over she was in their match later. But I don't know where you go next with Jade Cargill because now this title as much as she's made it feel important, it feels unattainable, and she feels like she's the strongest woman in the division, even though technically she has the mid-card title. And I still think it's funny that they named it after the channel that one of their shows is on, because, yeah, it seems like a really wrestling thing to do. And I'm really, really trying to buy time here. Is that siren done yet? It's still going. Wow. I was doing a really good job. Like I said, I took the Jonathan Coachman school of how to keep something going when you had to fill time. So that's I'll keep on talking. Uh, I'm going to go with Chad. Didn't like this match. Yep, no, I did not. I can, y'all can still like hear that siren match. in the back. No, I liked her being she Hulk. Didn't like the Tony Schiavone called her being green. Cause she liked money. She was obviously the she Hulk. Tony Schiavone was yes. way off his game. And I think uh, we can move on and I can ramble about another match because this might take like 20 minutes before the siren ends. But anyways, the next match was another match that could have been on Dynamite. And uh, it's just so frustrating. It was the six-man tag team match with Wardlow and FTR. They defeated Jay Lethal and the Motor City Machine Guns in 16 minutes and 30 seconds. But, I mean, they're kind of tuned out during this match. It just, it was a nothing match. There was there was no stakes. And it was all to set up Samoa Joe's return. And fuck this match. Like, you have been doing so much better things with FTR. So much better things with Wardlow. Jay Lethal doesn't need to be on the card because technically he's Ring of Honor. Like, cool, yeah, he brought the Motor City Machine Guns, which I like, but like... Maybe use them in just a regular tag team match or something like that. Fuck this match. They can throw it in the bin. Is that siren still going off? No, it finally stopped. The siren turned off. Thank God. That was the longest siren ever. And this match, yeah, this is the biggest just self-editing, folks. Why did we even have this match? A, I know that it was cool. We got to see Dax's daughter come out at the end and break the pencil and everything, but also don't care. Uh, why wasn't it just FTR versus Motor City Machine Guns on this card and then give them that, mis- that much time? How did this stupid six-man match get this much time on the card? This was a throwaway match that should have either been on Rampage or Dynamite, not on your main card where you have 
double-digit matches for the pay-per-view. It just... Self-editing. I just don't get it. Why can they not self-edit at all? And, like, I have mad respect for this crowd because they were on fire all night. I mean, it was Chicago, but, like, at least they made it fun. You know, like, I had a good experience because they were having a good experience, even though, like, thinking back on this match shouldn't happen. Yeah, FTR versus Motor City Machine Guns would have been awesome, you know? Like, we've already yeah. seen Wardlow versus Jay Lethal. Wardlow beat Jay Lethal twice. Why are they still feuding? It's yeah. WWE stuff. I thought you were trying to be opposite of WWE. It just, it, whatever. And then Samoa Joe coming back, I don't care. I really don't care about They have done a horrible job with Samoa Joe since he's arrived, and I do not care about Samoa Joe. I'm sorry. And I love Samoa Joe. I love Samoa Joe, but, buddy, I this is going to sound really mean. But you look like you ate old Samoa Joe, and it's he's just he's not looking like he should be going out there anymore. All right. It's no. it might be time to hang up the boots. Like I just I I still love Samoa Joe, old Samoa Joe, but the last match he had at AEW wasn't any good when it was for a Ring of Honor. It was like ugh, it, yeah, no. it's a little hard to watch. And I'm not excited for him to be back. And I just why? Why did you take up 25 minutes of time on this pay-per-view, you know, counting entrances and all the post-match shenanigans? It probably was like 25 minutes. Yeah. Well, anyways, we're moving on to a third match in a row that probably should have been on Dynamite and eventually worked its way onto pay-per-view. But this one was rushed, in my opinion. That was Powerhouse Hobbs defeating Ricky Starks in five minutes and five seconds. You could have done this on Dynamite and eventually had Ricky Starks have his big win at, like, full gear, something like that. It just – this match didn't need to be on the card. They just had their falling out, and with, like, the way you run your pay-per-views, you have a lot of time to tell stories, and, like, your best stories should be on the pay-per-view. Like, it's very frustrating. Powerhouse Hobbs should have won the first encounter. They did it right, but it just wasn't the right place. Yeah, no, this is 100% a feud builder match that shouldn't have been on. When you only have four pay-per-views a year, you're supposed to make the pay-per-view matches feel special. This was a five-minute squash match, basically, that should have been on Dynamite to build this feud as you have the babyface Ricky Stocks getting beat down constantly by the Powerhouse Hobbs. That's perfect booking. This is exactly what you're supposed to be doing. But this is supposed to be on your TV show. Not on your pay-per-view. Like, a five-minute squash match on your pay-per-view? Why? What? Just literally why? I have so many times over what's happened with AEW over this past weekend that I just have the one question, which is why? Um, but the next match definitely was worthy of pay-per-view status and... This was my match of the night and probably my second favorite match of the weekend. And it was for the AEW World Tag Team Championships. And it was Swerve in our glory. And they defeated the acclaimed in 22 minutes and 30 seconds. And, oh, my God, this match, like, I, like, I mean, I wasn't, like, not excited but I didn't think it would be as good as it was. And it was really, really, really good. And 
I thought the claimed was going to win. Like there was a couple times I'm like, they're actually going to do it. And I want them to do it. Like I was with that crowd. I wanted the claimed to win that match so bad. Like they're, they're so over that it's so cool. Like I love the claim. I love that Billy Gunn is their manager now. Cause it's just nonsense, but it works. He's daddy yep. ass. It just, it works. It shouldn't work, but it does. And I love it. And like before I thought maybe the claim didn't need to take team titles, but I think somewhere down the road, I think they should win them just so they have won them. You know, I don't know. I could see this being maybe like a, um, a DIY situation where they finally get the titles and then they lose them. And then like Max Caster turns on, Anthony Bowens or something like that. Like, yeah, see something like that. There's a lot of legs with the acclaimed and yeah, they're awesome. I love them a lot. I, yeah, this was probably my favorite. This is definitely my favorite match of the night. And I would say top three matches of the entire weekend without doubt. This was the best tag match of the entire weekend that I can. There is no question about that. And I, I love swerving our glory and the acclaim this just, I mean, how yeah, how can you not enjoy this? This was just, this was tag team wrestling. This was NXT tag team wrestling. This is the upper echelon of why people should put tag team wrestling at the forefront of any pro wrestling company. Because this right here, this is the best you can do. Tag team wrestling is my favorite form of wrestling. Because when it's done right, it's it's amazing. I think like six man tags aren't as good because I think there's too many pieces. But like when you just have like the two on two, there's so many cool things that you can do. And like when they're good, they're amazing. And I thought this match was amazing. I yeah, I thought this match was amazing as well. I think that the only reason I think it could have been even better, I think this was the time to put the belts on the acclaim right here. I think if the AEW tag division has had one big problem, it's that they don't seem to know when to move the tag belts. I think they've stuck with teams too long, Lucha Express, and not move the tag belts when they should. And then the team who should have the tag belts right now, because if, you know, this match shouldn't even have had, they weren't even in it. FTR should be your champions right now because that makes the most sense. It's just... I think they have a real problem with who their champion is, and I think the Acclaim should have gone over here. And I think if the Acclaim did yeah. go over here, this would have been my second favorite match of the entire weekend. FTR versus the Acclaimed for the AEW World Tag Team Championships would be a fire match for sure. Like, and like, don't get me wrong, I love Keith Lee and I love Swerve Strickland, and I think they work well together as a tag team. And I really enjoy them as a tag team, but like I I was behind the acclaim just like the crowd was. And I wonder if Tony Khan had the thought of like pulling an audible in the middle of the match and switching it. But you can't set that precedent. You can't like because I don't know. That's gonna piss off swerving your glory, probably. And I don't know, you can't be doing that. But like I bet you the thought like like came to Crossed his, his mind. mind. Like, oh, for sure. Like they were fucking over more than they've ever been, and they've been over for the last like few months. But like, holy shit, like yeah. they were over. And when they didn't win, 
Like there wasn't a person in there that wasn't booing. That's true. I loved it. Yeah. I really thought the acclaim should have gone over, but yeah, this was well, just also Jeff like just the stuff beforehand, like with like I, I texted you like their stuff on Rampage, how <laughs> Anthony Bowens or no, it was, yeah, it's Anthony Bowens called them Timon and Pumbaa, and it's like they do look like Timon and Pumbaa. They do <laughs> look like Timon and Pumbaa. It's hilarious, but then also like Keith Lee saying. To Max Caster, the reason, like, the thing that's holding him back is Anthony Bowens because of his injury, and then his knee going out and, like, just, like, playing into that story and, like, how, like, he was injured and, like, I don't know. They did a, such a great job with this match. It was definitely the best match of this show, for sure. Oh, yeah. Without question. Uh, the next match was also a good match. It was the... And it deserved to be on the pay-per-view as well. It was the fatal four-way for the interim AEW Women's World Championship match with Tony Storm, Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, with Rebel, uh, Jamie Hayter, and Akuru, I can't ever say her name right, Akaru Shida, and Tony Storm won as expected. And the crowd really wanted Jamie Hayter to win. I was kind of with them too. Like it was a feeling like it just, and I kind of thought maybe they were going to do it, you know, like what a time, like you talked about last week, you're the one who brought it up. Like it would be a very good time to just put it on her. And there's some stories you could tell. And I understand that they're still building towards Tony storm and um, Thunder Rosa, but they had that match at uh, uh, Forbidden Door. And they had Tony Storm get squashed. Yeah, it wasn't a good match. It's just, I don't know. It's the same thing when you're waiting around for Britt Baker to lose to um, Thunder Rosa. It's just, don't do it. Like, I don't know when she's going to be back. I don't know. I think it would have been better to just win in a different direction. It's no offense to Tony Storm. She's definitely deserving of being the women's champion. But, like, she was going to win it anyways down the line. But, I don't know. I think going in a different direction with everything that's going on with Thunder Rosa would have probably been their best option. Yeah, this match was good. I thought it was, you know, there was a lot of fun spots in it. The four women in it, I think, all did well. I think my biggest issue with this match was just the absolute certainty that Tony Storm was obviously going over in this match. Like, I don't... None of the near falls really got me. And I just, the whole time, like you could feel it, that AEW is, wants Thunder Rosa versus Tony Storm again. And I don't know exactly what's going on with Thunder Rosa, especially after the, you know, media scrum with Tony Storm calling her out for being, you know, quote unquote injured. And so if that, you know, another work shoot, like, I guess sidebar real quick, ding. Here's the real issue with AEW and everything being these blurred the lines. You've now created such an environment that that's all we're going to talk about. Like, there was a lot of big things that happened on this show and some great wrestling that happened on this show. All I'm thinking about from AEW right now is the absolute backstage chaos. Like, that's all I care about right now. Yeah, and like... You totally forget about how good Clash of the Castle was because this is just everything. This is what everyone wants to talk about. But at the same time, it's all I care about, too. I want to know what's happening next. I want, you know, like, it's a very interesting story. But, yeah, I agree. It's And it is bleeding onto the screen, too. 
Like, yeah. not even just with the media scrums, even with the, like, on-air, like, product. It's, yeah. Anyways, uh, next match, which last week I said it shouldn't have been on the pay-per-view. And I, and you said it should have been, and I think that you're right. Even though this match didn't go the way that I thought it would go, I'm totally fine with the way it went. It was Christian Cage defeating Jungle Boy in 20 seconds. I liked it. It fits Christian's character. The build-up, they did give it enough time to tell a story. And the Luchasaurus thing, like, I knew it was going to happen. I almost wish that it would have happened a little bit differently. In a way, I do kind of like the way it happened because, like, he was pointing at the tunnel for Luchasaurus to come out, and then he attacked him. Yeah. I mean, I totally called it. He was evil. He was still in all black. But, yeah, yeah um, I did like Taz, too, in this when he got chokeslammed on the grate with the pyro, how he had the grill marks. Like Chad, not Chad. Uh, Taz couldn't stop, like, bringing that up. But, I mean, it was true. That probably did hurt a lot. Probably but, did. Uh, I like the fact that... Uh, Christian made, uh, I think it was Aubrey Edwards, start the match. And I think hit the kill switch and one, two, three, bam, over. Yep. Done. I liked it. It was good. For, like, it seems like something that fit in the pay-per-view and the narrative of the storyline. And it does feel like they should have a bigger blow-off match at a different pay-per-view. But sometimes you can use pay-per-views to build. It just wasn't the right time for Powerhouse Hobbs and Ricky Starks. Yeah. I don't know. It's weird. See, this is actually had, but it's got no, not really because this is actually had legs on it. We had almost vehicular manslaughter. Jungle Boy literally tried to hit Christian with a car. All right, all that Powerhouse Hobbs and Ricky Starks have done is bark at each other a little bit. All right, there's like True. no um, what's the word I'm trying to uh, making it worse. Uh, <laughs> I can't think of the Galatian. Yeah, escalation. There, could not think of that word. There's no escalation in theirs. They're still in the base stages. Jungle Boy and Christian have already gone through the base stages and have moved to murder and now have moved to trying to turn best friends on each other, and Christian's already done that. Well, I mean, I have heard that Christian might have a shoulder injury, and that might be the reason they did it this way. But, like, I mean, Christian is a great heel, always has been great on the mic. And this is, this fits his character's MO from his entire run and his entire career, all the way back when he started in The Brood. This yeah. totally fits his character, and I'm totally fine with it. I feel like Jungle Boy should conquer him in the end, but Christian Cage has to, like, basically, I don't know, it's building to something better. I liked it. I'm okay with it. The next match, however, I was contemplating why we had to see this on such a bloated card in 2022. And it was a fine match, but I mean, it was it's Chris Jericho versus Brian Danielson. And it just, I don't know. I keep on thinking, and to me, it just felt like two former WWE guys. And I don't know why it felt that way because the main event didn't feel that way. And CM Punk and John Moxley, that's where they were previously. I don't know. It just didn't. In 2022, I'd rather see Chris Jericho and Brian Danielson maybe facing somebody that haven't faced before or something like that. Or at least on pay-per-view, you can do this on Dynamite. I won't have as much issue with it. But on pay-per-view, it's just like, it's, it's not fresh. I don't know. It, it was a fine match. 
it went a little long in my opinion. It was 23 minutes and 40 seconds, but I do like the fact that uh, Chris Jericho won by cheating and pissed off Daniel Garcia and the whole like storyline going into dynamite with uh, the pure championship and how the Jericho appreciation society isn't going to have his back. Daniel Garcia is back. So I don't know. I'm interested to see where that leads, but this match, I felt like it went dynamite match for sure. Yeah, this is one of those weird instances where I really like the story they're telling with them kind of battling over the, you know, Daniel Garcia's, you know, loyalty in that way. So I like the story a lot, but I think giving this match 20 some minutes on a, yeah, once again, bloated card when it's, yes, two of the greatest of all time, but two of the greatest of all time who've encountered each other many times over. And I just, I... It wasn't necessary. It just really was the longest match on the card. Yeah. And you give that to your two of your, and don't give me a, it's, you know, hard to say, but two of your most senior competitors, instead of putting over some of your other younger talent, or maybe giving the opening casino battle Royale ladder match a little more time, you give these guys the longest match on the card. And don't get me wrong. It was a fine match, but it was, a technical match that if I wanted to see, I could have seen a better one with Daniel Garcia versus Brian Danielson again, if you really wanted to do that route. And if you were going to do this, like even they already had the blood and guts where they literally pummeled each other. So this felt like such a downgrade of how this feud between them has escalated that it did. It felt like a letdown and then it did feel like it dragged on. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know why they have to have like, two major factions and then they have to be in a feud with each other the entire time because it was the same thing for a while with uh um inner circle and the pinnacle like they couldn't get away from each other and it was always matches against each other and this is the same thing like chris jericho just had a feud with moxley and brian danielson just had a feud with i don't even remember you know like they just they just uh, it's very annoying but yeah, the next match also, once again, shouldn't have been on this card. And it was fine. It was a six-man tag match with uh, Darby Allen, Sting, and Miro. And they defeated the House of Black. And it didn't need to be on the card. It just didn't. And I'm sorry. I love Sting. But that was the worst missed spot in the history of wrestling. You couldn't even see it. I... I don't know. I still think the worst Sting miss spot is when he forgot the finish of the match and went outside the ring to start fighting some more before he got back in. Oh, the mist. When he sprayed the mist in uh, Malachi Black's eyes. Like, it was the worst one ever. Like, when Malachi Black does it, like, you can see him spit it. Or, like, when Jerry did it, like, you can see it. When uh, Sting did it, it looked like the video game where, like, it just did the motion and nothing came out. I like, got you. It did. <laughs> it was All right. The yes. Worst in the history of wrestling. Missed oh. spot. Sorry. Missed. Got you now. Got you now. I, yeah, once again, I don't know. And they only added this match on last Wednesday, or even it was on Friday that they added this match. And it's, it was on Friday. Yeah, it's just so unnecessary. Why, when you already have a, a 10 match card do you add an 11th match 
It's just what like people have other things to do. And also not even that, like, I don't mind the length. This pay-per-view was actually what it was four hours, a little over yeah, four the main card was a little over four, a little over four. So that's not really that bad. Like I can handle a four hour card, but if you would have just taken some of these matches off, you could have let some of these other matches breathe so much more. And instead of like, this just feels, and we've said it about Tony Khan many times that he's just, like throwing all of his toys into the same fight at once. And he just has to see them all go at it every single time. Like you just need to self edit, go, this doesn't need to be here. This six man tag. Well, fine. Yeah. I mean, and they've been feuding for forever now as well. So I guess it deserved a pay-per-view spot, but it just, it didn't need to be there. It really, really didn't need to be there. And this, as the reports are, this is, probably Malachi Black's last match for a while. He's not leaving AEW. He's signed for a while, but he is taking a leave of absence from what I've heard because of personal issues, and I don't know what they are and don't even want to speculate, but uh, I hope that he's doing okay and we see him back in the ring very soon. Please just be Tommy End when you come back. Or come back to AEW as Malachi Black and just keep on doing what you're doing. The House of Black is awesome. It's fine. Yeah. You think it's fine? I mean, it definitely has, it has more potential than what it is right now. Yeah. But I feel like, I don't know. I feel like I'm as Malachi Black. But anyways, now I'm going to the main event. And in my opinion, this match sucked. Just, it wasn't a good match. I don't know. I liked... I liked the crowd. I liked how, like, the CM Punk chants literally drowned out the John Moxley chants. Like, they didn't even, at the beginning of the match, they didn't even give a chance for John Moxley. Like, they didn't have, like, sometimes they have the rolling back and forth, like CM Punk, yeah. John Moxley. No, they kept on going, CM Punk, CM Punk. And you could kind of hear the, like, Moxley, like, trying to sneak in there. But, like, I've never heard that before. Like, where, like, they drowned out the other person's chants. And I thought that was pretty cool. And, I mean, I did love the fact that um, Moxley, like, beat the shit out of CM Punk. And, in my opinion, Moxley should have won that match. Like, he like he beat the living shit out of him. Like, he was so bloody. And, like, CM Punk barely had to do anything and hit a go-to-sleep and won the match at the end. He hit one go-to-sleep at the end to win. Or no, no, you picked him up for two. Never mind. I lied. There was two go to sleeps, but still, like, he kicked out of a fucking Death Rider. Nobody kicks out of a Death Rider. He lost all that blood. He was like, he was in the bully choke for a while. Like, there's no way CM Punk should have won that match. I don't care if they were in Chicago. And then, yeah, you want to talk about the match before we talk about like what happened like right after the match? Yeah. I. This is what I said last week, why I was already so annoyed about this match. CM Punk obviously had to win here. So why in hell, once again, did we do that match on Dynamite? It didn't It didn't add anything to CM Punk winning here. The fact that he just locks to Moxley. Like it didn't bring more, oh, cathartic like things to it. He was in Chicago no matter what. He was going to be the biggest baby face in the world in this match. There was no need to put this on Dynamite. I think with revisionist history, like 10 years down the line, people will be saying 
the night or the, the what they wanted people to say the night that CM Punk won the AEW championship in Chicago rather than the night CM Punk retained or unified like whatever I think they wanted in wrestling lore this to be the night CM Punk won the title in Chicago and that's what happened and it was a horribly booked match made John Moxley look like a the opposite of everything that he said like John Moxley had a great like run with this championship all summer long he was badass he was the best version of John Moxley that John Moxley has been since coming to AEW in my opinion and then he basically looks like a fucking chump because he can't finish off CM Punk even though he like battered him to death and then just it's horrible booking I hate it and then yeah this match sucked I, I won't go as far to say this match sucked, but it wasn't good. And it really, as, as, and before we talk about just the final stuff, like as we talked about, I don't know if we talked about it actually on the podcast or just when we were talking before the show or maybe even on Sunday. It's no, it wasn't definitely Sunday, but last year's All Out, we had no expectations for. And we went in and it was one of the best shows that you had ever like seen. It was like AEW. Best pay per view. Yeah, took every one of our expectations because everyone was down on it. Everyone was like, what is this show going to even be? Like, why are we doing this? And knocked it out of the park. Here, AEW had not the highest of expectations, but there were some expectations going into this all out. And they, like the Titanic, hit an iceberg and just sunk. Because this was, I think, their worst pay-per-view by far. And this is, I think, one of the most deflating endings of a pay-per-view and that's going all the way back to the exploding barbed wire match. I wouldn't say ending because it, with what happened after the match, I feel like that was great what they did there. But do you remember what the main event was uh, all out 2021? I do not off the top of my head. It was Kenny Omega versus Christian Cage for the AEW championship. And that match was actually really good. This match was trash. Like, there was, yeah, it was way different a year ago. Yeah, but to talk about the after CM Punk celebrating in the ring and then the lights go out and then uh, a voicemail plays of Tony Khan saying, like, yeah, uh, we're going to give you a bleep amount of money. Uh, yeah, we don't, we don't want you to sign an extension. We just want you to be here. At all out, we have a spot for you in the casino ladder match. We just want you to be there. And, like, that was it. And then, oh, yeah, we forgot to say that uh, the Joker, when he came out for the ladder match, came out to Sympathy for the Devil by the Rolling Stones yeah. and was wearing a devil's mask. And so then uh, when they went, like, backstage and they showed this clip of CM Punk talking about uh, being a snake and being a devil – and then uh, they went backstage and they showed a man wearing the mask with his back turned to the camera, put on a Burberry scarf, which everyone knew was MJF. But, I mean, it was still a really cool visual. And he took off the mask and turned around. And holy shit, to quote Pat Patterson, the place went banana. And, like, that one of the loudest pops I've ever heard ever in wrestling. Then his music hit and then people got even louder. And then he came out 
And in Chicago, after CM Punk just won the championship, while CM Punk was standing in the middle of the ring, crowd at the top of their lungs was chanting MJF. Like they were chanting CM Punk a year ago. And like, I'm like, dude, he's the most over wrestler, like in a while. Like he is so fucking over and it's all because of him. It literally is like, I mean, obviously WWE, I mean, not WWE, uh, AEW gave him the platform, but like, it's the way he's over because of himself. And like, if they don't lean into this and like make him like that anti hero baby face, I think it's a big mistake because I don't, I think everybody that's an AEW fan feels this way about him. You know what I mean? Like, he's back and he's anti authority, whatever, anti authoritarian. Like mindset, it works. Do it. Lean into it. Yeah. I really like the end of it, but it's got to go in a different direction because I don't think he's going to face CM Punk anymore. Yeah, I called MJF Stone Cold a while ago. I thought he had some real Stone Cold vibes to him, not in the exact same way, but that's just kind of who he is. And he, yeah, has gotten himself over like Rover and never in my entire life did I think that I would see somebody cheered more heavily in Chicago than CM Punk. And I I could not believe that crowd just losing their minds for MJF. And that is one of the loudest pops. That felt like when Triple H came back all those years ago from the quad injury to that Monday Night Raw. Like, this felt like the glass shattering for the first time in years when Stone Cold came back. Like, this was wild it was insane surprising a crowd at monday night raw something like that shane mcmahon coming back here comes the money playing yeah Yeah. like it was so unexpected i mean we all expected to be mjf but i'm saying the pop itself was so unexpected i thought i thought he was gonna get yeah you know people are gonna be excited to see him but not the stadium losing their collective minds no i'm like i mean you know how I feel about MJF and I know how you feel about MJF and like collectively, I think everybody's a fan of MJF. It's just, they, I don't know. It's, he does a good job at being a heel and making you boo him and making kayfabe feel real because he lives his gimmick, even though it's not really who he is. Like I, He's the best wrestler of this generation. And like 20 years from now, he's going to be in the conversation to be on Mount Rushmore. I'm calling it. Like, I really feel that way about like, he understands professional wrestling. He is the next like top guy in this business. And I think uh, Sunday night was just the very beginning. And like, yeah, I'm excited. He's got to be the next world champion, right? Oh, he's got to be, especially if CM Punk's gone. Uh, even if not, CM Punk's not gone. He's got to be the next champ. All right, final thoughts about All Out then, Diesel. I saw a lot of negative things during this show or during this review, but all in all, like, I enjoyed the show. It's just my expectations are higher. They, I mean, and that's the faults of AEW for – like doing such a great job for such a long period of time that like then they can't always be a hit, you know, sometimes you strike out, but in the show, all in all, I would probably give it like 
C plus, like maybe B minus. I'll give it B minus. I'll be a little more generous. It there's a lot of matches that did not be, need to be on this card. Easily, Clash of the Castle was the best show of the weekend, and it was it was so organized and structured. And like you compare these two shows together, like that show was so smooth. It was. I had a blast watching the whole time. I was frustrated at times watching all out. I don't know. That's what I feel about it. Yeah, I this. And once again, I do agree. Like we've said a lot of negative things. There were some bright spots on the show, but as a whole, this is a C. I, I can't go to a B minus. I think this is a C show. This is just besides the like the low points beat out the high points for me. And I do love the end pop for MJF and seeing MJF come back. But it's once again, those things like it was great seeing, but it was quite obviously going to happen. So it wasn't a surprise at all. And yeah, there's signs where, yeah, you know, the story dictates that we should know what's going to happen. But this one just it was so obvious. It was so damn obvious, especially. And I wish you would have cashed in. I wish you would have cashed in in that moment to really give a huge surprise. You never wish that. Never. And so that's why it would have been good. But I don't know. It's I'm excited for Dynamite, though. I'm excited to see MJF come out. I think he's advertised to cut a promo from what I remember hearing about tonight's show. So, like, I'm excited. He's going to get he's gonna get cheered again, even though they're oh, in yeah. Buffalo. I mean, they're, they're close to his hometown. So close. I love when he goes home to Long Island. Like, yeah. that Like, he got a louder pop in Chicago than he got in Long Island. Yeah, it was wild. And they love him in Long Island. <laughs> so unexpected. It's crazy. Yeah. All right. But as uh, that was a crazy weekend of wrestling, all those reviews and then the media. I mean, this has been a while. 2022. Once again, the year that keeps on giving and it's only the beginning of September. So what does the final quarter of the year have in store for us? You still have a whole third to go. Oh, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Oh, man. I just want to slow down. We've had enough for one year. I don't want anything else to happen. Like, seriously, what else could happen? Like, I can't even guess. Like, like you wanted to, like, if we did a worst case scenario at the beginning of the year, and none of this would have been on my like list of things that were going to happen this year. <laughs> no, <laughs> whatever. But yeah, none at all. Well, we'll be here each and every week to talk about all the things that are happening. So just, you know, make sure you keep tuning in, folks. But, with that, had enough fun for today. So, monkeys in the back, hit that sound effect. All right, Diesel, final thoughts time, buddy. Are you ready for some football? Because I am. Yes, I am. I am super excited that we're finally here week one. Like, yeah, I'm not doing anything on Sunday. We're watching football. I'm watching football tomorrow night. There's a couple games on Monday night. Like, yeah, all my players on both my fantasy teams go on Sunday. So I'll know my final score on Sunday, but both people I play have people going on Monday night. So that's frustrating, but. 
I love I having that. people I on hate Monday that night. When you have no one else going, and they have somebody going, and you're just like, oh, <laughs> don't, score don't score yeah. twenty points. I'm always that guy. I'm the guy who has the Monday night player, and I'm like, all right, I just need nineteen points out of that guy. That's that's me every week. So I, I'm excited. I'm red zone. I'm ready. I can't wait. Like it's all I've been thinking about this week. I've been watching like so many like different like NFL videos this week, getting ready, like uh preview game previews and stuff like that. And I really do not like Adam Rank for the obvious reasons and also for how he picks games because all of his scores are unfucking realistic. Nobody there's never gonna be a game finish that's 29 or 31 to 29. I don't care. You can say, oh, well, what if it's 29 to 28 and this team kicks a winning field goal? No one's going to have 29. I mean, they might, but like the chances are, what are the percentages you think someone's going to finish a game with 29 points? Has Not to be lower high. than two, right? Yeah. Well, because yeah. so, a 29, a 29 points doesn't it require someone scores a safety? Like I feel like, or no, I guess. No, if you scored like, uh, two touchdowns and I think five field goals. Yeah, two touchdowns with getting the extra points and five field goals, you'll get twenty nine. Yeah, that that mean it can happen. It doesn't usually happen. No, that's got to be like less than two percent for sure. So fuck Adam Rank. I don't know how he's an expert. He's always wrong. He's wrong than like everybody. More wrong than everybody besides Schefter. Yeah. He's uh, but he's uh, real funny, and he loves pro wrestling, so that's why they keep. That is true. I mean, he's better than Schefter. I'll give him that. Like, I don't like Schefter at all. Yeah, he's uh, just an interesting man. But yeah, no, my 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 final thoughts. to John Clayton, but I'm not gonna miss him. Like, I didn't like his takes. No, I'm I'm sad that he passed away, but like, I didn't like his take. That's fair. Wow. Diesel's just firing shots left and right today. He's he's on fire. He's ready for some football. He wants some hits. I am ready for some football. Like, uh, I, yeah. I, I got nothing really else besides fantasy football, football this weekend. Uh, just I'm very excited. This is Cooper's first fantasy or first football season. So going to get real excited about that. Get her some Packers and Patriots gear. See which one she likes more. Benji got like half a season under his belt last year, but he'll actually be able to watch it. This weekend, he was actually sitting on my lap and like actually focusing on wrestling. And I'm like, yeah, (laughs) come, come to the dark side, Benji. All right. uh, But let's do some social media stuff so we can get on out of here. Okay. You can follow me on Twitter at diesel underscore VFTR. You can follow Chad on Twitter at chats underscore mind or at vftr tpo you can follow us on facebook or instagram by searching view from the top rope official we're on youtube by you can search view from the top rope of you from top rope at gmail.com is our email address you can follow visionaries global media on twitter by using at is global media you can also send your podcast in to be reviewed and then added to the network to Media at gmail.com and you'll be heard on Podknife, Potable, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Do you think like they do sports psychologists for people who get the yips? They have podcast psychologists for people who get the yips? I mean, it wasn't that bad this week. I was trying to... 
I stumbled over my words for how I wanted to say at physical media because I was going to say hashtag and I'm like, that's not right. And so then I couldn't think of like Twitter handle. I was trying to do it fast. Hey, I didn't think hashtag I didn't... came to mind. It threw me off. I didn't say you did bad or anything like that. I just asked a simple question. You know, maybe maybe the fans out there can get you, uh, you know, a podcast psychologist uh, work with for a couple weeks. I mean, they have jobs for everybody in this world. That's true. All right, though, folks. But yes, clearly you can find us on so many podcasting platforms. Just type in Visionaries Global Media or VFTR 2.0 into a search engine. You will find us on a podcasting platform you enjoy. Make sure you're like, commenting, sharing, subscribing, upping, or whatever you do to make more people be able to see and hear these podcasts we have here, including ours, VFTR 2.0. Because you know what, folks? We feel like we do like a pretty damn good job. So we feel like more people should be listening to us. So help us out. And as always, though, thank you so much for tuning in. I have been Chad. He has been Diesel. Please, everyone out there, be kind to each other. We're all just humans trying to survive on this spinning blue orb that we call Earth. Don't be a dick. There's just really no reason. But always remember, very much so, it's very important, to climb up high and enjoy VFTR. 2.0.